Down by the river, down by the river, we took a little walk. We took a little walk. I'm gonna tell you a story. Dirty Water Sports presents the Down by the River podcast with your hosts Tim Galicio and Paul Testa. Welcome to season number two, episode number one of Down by the River. Paul, this is going to be a weekly podcast covering the Boston <laughs> Red Sox from the folks at Dirty Water Sports. I'm Tim Delosio. He's Paul Testa. And Paul, we, we've come out of hibernation. This has been our most extended hibernation of an off offseason, um, I think, since we started the podcast. I, I looked, October 13th was the last time um, we talked about the Red Sox. It might have been the last time I thought about the Red Sox, to be honest with you, Paul, because I, I found my, I found last year's end hit me harder than I thought it did at the time. I was really just kind of down and out on the Red Sox yeah, this, well, this offseason, despite all the good news. Last year was a really weird year. Exceeded expectations, frustrating in the middle of the season, Get to the postseason, get swept. It kind of had a roller coaster of everything. And um, at the end of the day, uh, you know, we told the listeners we would come if news happened. And really, this whole offseason, I mean, we did get the best pitcher available uh, yeah. or, or via trade in Chris Sale, but that was really the only news that broke, right? <laughs> there was, and we, I think you on vacation or whatever, when it came at a bad time and we didn't do a podcast yeah. on it, but. It it has been a blah off season, which isn't necessarily a bad thing because the team was set, but uh, there just wasn't a lot of moving around, a lot of a lot of pieces yeah. to be had. I mean, I, I guess in in some sense it wasn't like there were rapid fire, uh, you know, lots of moves. Oh, but, and, but the, uh, the the fireworks of Chris Sale were, were 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 I think substantial enough to to call it a uh, an important off season. For this team, oh right? yeah, it was. A, it was. I mean, listen, it. We gave up a lot to get him. Yep. Uh, but we have the reigning Cy Young Award winner. We have a perennial Cy Young Award winner, and we have what is, or was, a great pitcher in David Price. I mean, that could rebound after his first year in Boston. We have a one-two-three that I don't know if anyone competes with that one-two-three. I mean, I, I'm excited to see it. I, it looks on paper, Paul. We, yeah. We've got a lot of aces again. <laughs> yeah. um, so, as we think about this off season, Paul, um, did did the Red Sox do what they needed to do um, to go further this season coming up than they did last season? Yeah, I mean, just with the, I mean, well, you had Thornberger wrote, I don't know how you say that guy's Thornberg, name. Yep. Yeah, Thornberg, yep. In the bullpen. You have a Carson yeah. Smith coming back. Coming now, they, back. Lost, they, they lost to Uehara, Tozawa. I mean, there's some overhaul in the bullpen, but you have Matt Barnes coming back, Robbie Ross, right? Still have Kimbrell. I think the bullpen looks pretty nice, huh? Yeah, and I was like listening to the great John Farrell speak um, on, on a radio show uh, earlier this week. Yep. And, 
you know, he, he mentioned something that I don't really necessarily think about because our bullpen had been, for the most part, pretty good. I mean, but velocity-wise, on the lower end of the spectrum uh, for all of baseball. And now you're looking at five, six guys throwing anywhere from 95 to 100 going in at the end of games. And he made a great point, as John Farrell only does because he's the best of the best. <laughs> so eloquent. Uh, made a fantastic point that, you know, coming into a, a situation with a runner on second, getting a guy in there to pitch that can get swing and misses versus pitching to Conquet changes the dynamic a little. And so the bullpen, for the most part on paper, has improved. Uh, even with those subtra- subtractions, yep. they've replaced them with some hard-throwing power, which we know through the postseason that we've watched over the last couple of years is what wins in the postseason is having those hard throwers coming in at the end of games. Yep. Uh, and we got the best pitcher that money, you know, that was available uh, out there to, if you're looking at it from last year, slide into the third part of the rotation, even though he will be the ace of the staff, right. most likely. Um, it's, it's hard to believe that this team can't, isn't the front runner for the ALEs. Uh, and I think they are, but let, let's give the counter. Right. Um, can the offense do enough um, without David Ortiz? Does that does that hole that the lack of David Ortiz creates does that have more impact than you know anyone might anticipate coming into the season? I think everyone thinks that it's that there's this is not going to be as dynamic an offense um, as it has been without you know Ortiz in the middle of the lineup. Obviously, we've got some great players that are only getting better, right? So his production will be supplemented by, you know, can Mookie be any better than he was last year? I don't know. But, you know, and it, let's let's assume Mookie keeps step, taking steps. You know, Benintendi looks to it's be... a full season. Yeah, a it's full okay. season at 300, maybe 20 homers, 80 RBIs. Maybe Jackie Bradley doesn't regress and he actually gets better. Yep, everyone's... You doesn't know, have that slump toward you know midseason that he that he had last year. Absolutely, I'm here. I'm hearing a lot of you know groundswell of this is going to be a, a breakout year for Bogarts again. That that he's you know that this is this is a year where he's going to you know take that next step offensively again. Um, you look at the number. I mean, we got zero production out of third base last year. If Sandoval can come back and be eighty. 85% of what he was in San Francisco, um, we're much better in that position. Or or, uh, or if, you know, uh, Devers takes steps in the back half of this year and takes that job by producing in you know, in the minors, and he's the guy that kind of comes up and supplants Sandoval if he, if he doesn't, right, step. I mean, I think that that's the underlook, uh, you know, the thing that I think, you know, maybe we've overlooked, the player that we've overlooked in this organization that I think gave the Red Sox the confidence to deal Yoan Moncada was Rafael Devers, and what right, they well, think no of him. No longer forgotten because he's the only one left. Yeah, he's the only. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and let's be clear: the, the farm system probably doesn't have enough right now to pull out a a deadline deal if the Red Sox need one. <laughs> Of yeah. substance, right? Like, so this, I think, unlike a lot of teams, the, what you see at the beginning of this season is going to be really important. We've gone into a lot of seasons where we where we knew there would be holes that maybe they could fill in the season, and we had the pieces to do that. I don't. This year, I I think if this team struggles in spots, 
I don't know that they have as much flexibility to fix those things in season as they have had in years past. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that'll be interesting to keep an eye on. Now, they do have, you know, at first base, you know, they have the incoming Mitch Moreland. <laughs> Gold Glover, Paul. Um, and oh, I did. I totally forgot Mitch. Yeah, Sorry. Mitch. <laughs> and got the best available first base. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and obviously you have Hanley. Um and whether he'll DH or how much DH versus first base he'll play will be interesting. Uh, well, that's what I think. If there's a beauty of, of the end of the David Ortiz era is just the flexibility that that position is going to be able to give, to be able to put people in there, take them out, give them a rest, but still keep their bat in the lineup. There's a lot of flexibility in that. So um, I'm excited to see how that Again, we have the manager that can manage these types of things. He's really so, good at juggling lots of things and making the right yeah. decisions, Paul. Yeah, I would hate if we had we're stuck with someone like a Francona still or a Madden, like to be able to handle a lineup like this. We got the guy that can handle it, um, and the juggling of that position. And I, uh, but I do think that is going to be beneficial. Like you can make Hanley a. Uh, uh, Let's say it's you know six games in a week. You can make them four games at DH, two games in the field, and then fuck, you can do three and three. Like it, and, it, you know, like, you've also got. I, I think that you're going to see more of Chris Young at DH, especially with the outfield absolutely. stacked where it is right now. Um, and I think that's really field. important. I think that's going to be he, you know Chris Young could be. If I had to choose, it's it's hard to choose sleepers on this team because there's so many. Um, I don't know, just known players. You know what I mean? Like they, they have high expectations already. So who, you know, usually a sleeper is someone flying under the radar, and maybe it's one of the bullpen guys or like an Eduardo Rodriguez in the back of the rotation or whoever the catcher ends up being. But I, I might say Chris Young could be a player whose impact on this team will be more than we expect as the season goes on. And well, and, that, and that's the beauty because of of what you're talking about is because, you know, I think you want Ben Attendee in there every day, every right? day. So it kind of takes the, uh, the Chris Young out of the equation. But now that the DH is opened up when there is a lefty, you that's, those are games you can put Hanley at first, take Moreland out of the game. And then you can put, uh, Chris Young in the DH spot and, and vice versa on games. Uh, when it happens to be, um, you know, maybe Sandoval needs a rest or something. You, that's when you can get Brock Holt into the games yep. and do things like that. The, the lineup flexibility and the length of that bench is, is going to be an asset, um, not only for um, a successful season, but the health of the guys going throughout the season. Absolutely. Um, let's talk quickly about the, the catcher position, Paul, because it's one of those positions where we really have no idea where this is going to go. Um, let's say maybe we have an idea coming out of spring training just because I kind of know the type of manager John Farrell is, and I could put, yeah, I'll put a lot of money down that Sandy Leone breaks camp as the starting catcher just if Farrell has anything to say about it, unless someone goes out and steals that job, right? right. Um, but who's going to be the catcher in the second half of the season that's getting three plus four plus, you know, out of every five starts? Well, just so that uh, my brain is on the third, right? we have um, Sandy Leon. Yep. We have Vasquez. Yep. We have Swihart. That's right. And is there another one in there? Well? I don't think so. I think okay, those so are the third. There might be, but I, I, I don't think um, anyone of, of note. 
Okay. No so Ryan the, Hannigan this year, for example. Right. Okay. So I, I do believe – like. I am not a believer in Sandy Leone. I do not understand how he did it last year. Uh, it makes zero sense to me. I think he regresses to the 220, 230 hitter that he normally is, uh, who handles the staff really well. Uh, I And I think you see Vasquez kind of take a leap forward, and I think you're going to see Swihart kind of be not a utility guy, but I think you're going to start seeing him transition out of the catcher role. Well, it's you know what's interesting was and a little bit scary is seeing Swihart's uh, problems throwing back to the pitcher in you know catcher drills, you know air mailing pitchers uh, consistently, or not consistently, occasionally, um, putting some mental doubt into his ability to transition back behind the plate, um, and so I think that that'll be uh, if that doesn't become an issue. I think it'll become it'll be interesting to see if the Red Sox value offense from that catcher spot and Swihart gets to get some chances, or if um, if the Farrell starts to think that Vasquez, you know, is as good defensively as you know we thought he was. Right? I mean, I think there was some question: Is Sandy Leone a better defensive catcher right now than Christian Vasquez? Um, I think that's up for grabs right now. Where coming into last season, we would have thought Christian Vasquez was the best catcher, not named True. Molina. True. Um, yeah. It. It. I. I just. I don't know what deal Sandy Leon made with someone last year because I mean he was. He was essentially going to be outright wavered, you know, and maybe be out of baseball and turned into one of the better um, players at his position for the year. But uh, let's be clear. He, he. He. I mean, you saw him in the playoffs, I think he was the hitter that he is, which right. is not good, not good at all. Um, I, I don't have any belief in his ability to be um, an average hitter. I mean, he, I think he will be an offensive liability. Yeah, right? I agree. Yeah, I mean, not and, and look, he, he had a tremendous stretch last year where he was an offensive asset. Um, and don't let that fool you, people. It's that that's if that happens again, then you know I, I'm shocked. <laughs> yeah, I don't. It's not. It's not going to happen again. And that's a Paul so, Testa guarantee. Paul Testa guarantee. So th- I guess what it comes down to is, um, do you think Christian Vasquez has any further upside offensively than Sandy Leon, or I do. Do you think that Vasquez? Is I don't know. There were the rumblings at the when he was at the beginning of last season that maybe he didn't have the respect of the pitching staff that he needed to allow his you know defense you know his his defensive abilities behind the plate um, to really have the value uh, that we thought it would right that some somewhere you know he's a young guy that is learning and was trying to make an, I'm not making excuses for him, but his trust with the pitching staff is going to grow over time. Like it, it's not, I don't think it was anything that was like, get this guy. I, I can never work with this guy. It's just, maybe he just, maybe he was too stubborn in his ways. He wouldn't listen, which it seems to be the case. Right. Yeah. I mean, someone tells you whatever you do, um, don't throw a fastball here with 
an knuckleball on the mound and you <laughs> put down a fastball and the guy hits a grand slam. You know, right. it's it's, uh, it's so maybe he's just I mean, he's got to do a little maturing and hopefully he makes those steps and he and he does do that. And as far as the hitting, listen, if Sandy Leon's not hitting, uh, yeah, I do think the upside is more with Christian Vasquez uh, than it is with Sandy Leon. Are are they going to carry three catchers, Paul? I mean, does Swihart no. like one of no. those guys ends up down in in AAA? And I guess the question is, Sandy Leon's going to make this team either right. as the starter or the backup. So right. between Vasquez and Swihart, which one of those players do you carry as your backup, and which one do you send down to AAA to work on the things that you think they need to work on to? Yeah, oh, you, to be a starter easy. down the line. Swihart down, unless Swihart wins the starting position coming yeah. out of camp, he starts the season in Pawtucket. Like that's it's not as even as a catcher, not as an as outfielder, a, not as a first baseman. Maybe, maybe as a first baseman, maybe as an outfielder. Maybe, maybe they make that determination. Yeah, that like they're really happy with Vasquez, and he's going to be blocked. So they start working on it, and they have a conversation with him. Maybe they do start working on that. Um, Listen, if you have Vasquez and Leon, like the only reason you're going to start Swihart every day is if you think he can compete with them somewhat defensively, like the, be a little bit of the, but he's going to hit, I don't want to say like Buster Posey, but be an offensive minded yeah. catcher. You well, know, and, like, and, let, and let's say this maybe you think with the pitching staff that you've assembled that you don't need such a pitch framer, pitch caller, you know, like leader behind the plate because you've got, you know, a pitching. You've got, you know, the people that can think their way through their own games, that that are experienced, that have great stuff, that are dynamic. And now a, a Swihart, you just need a receiver, right, that can that can control the you know, the bases. And if, if that's what you need, maybe, you know, the – that's a becomes more, yeah. you know, his offensive abilities become more valuable. I don't know. I mean, I yeah, I mean, this is the first time in a long time we haven't had a head case in our starting rotation. Well, you we do have of. Eduardo Rodriguez, who I think is a head case, Paul. Yeah, I guess you're you're right. And he but might he, not be in the right starting now, is rotation. He in the rotation, this is this is another good question. Back into the rotation, you've got Stephen Wright, Drew Pomerantz, and Eduardo Rodriguez. Yeah. Um, Stephen Which Wright gets two... in by default because okay, yeah. they Let... don't want to go four lefties. Okay, fair. So you've got so you've got Stephen Wright in the fifth spot, Pomerantz and Rodriguez. What do you do? Like who who do you, who do you put? Let's assume they pitch equally, averagely in spring. Like no 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 one doesn't step up, one doesn't step back. It, it they their performances are both you know good enough for. Where do you go? I don't know, Tim. Unless one of them wins it outright, I don't know. If it's a dead heat, I don't know where you go. I mean, you can still send Rodriguez down to the minors, right? I think so. I mean, so I guess by default, that's what you do. It just, it it kind of seems not fair. It also kind of seems not fair, like, like was Stephen Wright the Sandy Leone of the pitching staff last year? Like, But I don't know, his track record has been... A, a little bit long. Like, he's kind of been who he was last year every time he's pitched. Up, he was you know, an all-star like, last year, Tim. He, no, he I know, but, if you look at, but he's never had the, op, the the chance, the extended chance to pitch that well. If you, I mean, if you look back, at, 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 you know, he's 
I don't think he was he was surprising that it happened for as long as it did because you always thought that the glimpses that you've had in the past couldn't possibly you know keep going. Um, but yeah, he's I mean he's he's been an above average pitcher every time he's pitched in a Red Sox uniform. Yeah. I, I'm just not a fan of the knuckleball, as you know. But <laughs> you think after all these years, Paul, we 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 just kind of be okay with it. Um, look, I I this is one thing I can tell you is that there's no chance that Stephen Wright, I don't think, becomes a Wakefield like asset out of the bullpen. I think no. that was a very rare circumstance, and Tim Wakefield was just a very rare like. He was an odd, you know, it, 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 you can't recreate that, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like, that's that. He's he starts or he's in AAA or he's somewhere else. He He's not someone that I think you can you can just hold as the long man or the, you know, an eighth inning weapon of any kind. No, no. Um. Once again, I think that fifth role, fifth, fifth job is his. Um. Look, I think if the bullpen had room, I really think Pomerantz is a better fit and could be an asset at the major league level out of the pen, it, despite what happened in the playoffs. Um, I, I don't think... I think if given time to adjust to that role, he could be a really good, you know... What yeah. is his role in the pen, though? Like, I mean, that's the... Well, he can go He can go long, and he... You know, how many lefties do they have outside of Robbie Ross? Uh, Thornberg or whatever his name is, right? Thornberg a lefty? <laughs> I think he is, isn't he? Oh, these new faces. Maybe he's not. I don't, I don't know. I didn't think so, but that would be great if he was. <laughs> I'm probably we were, wrong. Maybe he gets we were... lefties out at a big clip. He's got the reverse splits, Paul. Yeah. I don't know. That's If he's a lefty, I'd be I'd be thrilled. But um, No, we have Francisco Abad. You know, we took him to arbitration and we won. Yeah, <laughs> that's always a good sign. But look, I, look, I think, I think Pomerantz could be an asset out of the pen where I don't think Rodriguez ever could be. Um, I think. Oh, he's a righty, Thornburg. Yeah, they, 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 I thought so. I thought that's you know, Abad and Ross were really the only two lefties, um, which I think makes a case for Pomerantz now. Maybe you said. Yeah, but I mean, look at it. You got Kimbrel closing. You got Thornburg. Look, Paul. No you, one's you still have Matt Barnes. You still have Joe Kelly. I'll you tell still, you this, Paul. No one's going to be able to hit a pitch thrown by any of our righties. So I guess it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. <laughs> who? It's uh, who throws the fastest pitch coming out of our bullpen this year? Call it. Call it now, Paul. The hardest pitch. Who? I bet it's hit 487 feet, but I'm going to go with Joe Kelly. That's what I was going to say. (laughs) Joe Kelly's going to hit 101, maybe 102. Um, Are you a little bit sad that, um, going back to the sale trade, that we won't get to see Michael Kopchak? Um, No, I'm a little more sad about Mankata than I am. Well, yeah, but but there was something about seeing someone throwing... You know, one hundred six, one hundred five. Like, what does that? What does that translate to at the major league level? I have, I have yeah. no idea what that, what that looks like. But, um, Paul, if how, how good does Moncada have to be at some point in his career for you to regret this trade? Let's assume Chris Sale is a perennial Cy Young guy, and we have him for how many years? Let's say he spends what? I think he had three years left, and but. 
I let's mean, let's say three years, and then you know if he's pitching well enough, they resign him. Let's say he has a, you know a good six year run here in Boston, mm-hmm. where he's a perennial Cy Young guy, uh, and he whether they win championships or not, they're in contention. They are a team to be you know reckoned with every year that Chris sails here. Yep. Who does Yohan Moncada have to be for you to still regret giving him up in this deal? Well, if can you regret that, I I would would never regret it. But let's say he's a a non-juicing a rod. Did do you regret him then, or no? no, Because he's done you like sales done everything that you wanted over that time. Uh, I don't know what what is something like the Jeff Bagwell trade, right? I mean, we had Larry Anderson for a month, two months. those are those are the tra- trades that that sting. You yeah. get no return on your investment. It's it had hurt. L- listen, we saw, we knew if to get someone like Sale, right? Yeah. At some point, we were going to have to give up Benintendi or Mancata. Yes. We've seen Benintendi. Um. We all got excited by Benintendi. If. The deal for sale included Benintendi, but we still had Mancata. Doesn't it hurt a little bit more? Well, it hurt. It hurts this year more. Yeah. Right. I mean, no doubt because Benintendi has, and we still have an you, unknown. Like, even though you, we, you we do, all but, think he's going to be great, but he also, you also don't have a position for him right now. Right. Like Benintendi fits right now because there's a position. I mean, like he, he's your starting left fielder. Not, and not only that, there's, there's, you know, I already this, Benintendi some, doesn't have his own logo. Well, that's true, but there is already some talk that he, you know, he may be the best defensive left fielder in the American League. Yeah, like he, the, the, the Mankata defensively doesn't have that um, that cachet at any of the positions he can play. Now he's he he's not a bad defensive player, but Benintendi, you know, for the next two years will have more of an impact at the major league level for the Boston Red Sox than Yohan Moncada would have had in the next two years for the Boston Red Sox. So you want to say you're bringing Chris Sale in for at least three years? Having Benintendi and Sale is really important for that three-year window versus if you had traded Benintendi to get Sale and you have Moncada and he's still two years out from really being that much of an impact, you still have to fill left field this year with Chris Young and Brock Holt. You know, now, I mean, I May, think this on is... May fourth, you know, uh, Sale blows out his elbow. Then it's yeah, different... that's not good. That's not yeah. good. But yeah, well, once again, there's always unforeseen. Now, if let's just say Benintendi flops, right? It's not going to happen. See, I don't think so either. But but that if that happens, <laughs> then maybe and Mancada becomes, you know, the next great player, and Sale is average to good. Then then you start to think. Huh. Maybe that wasn't. Maybe, maybe we. You know, made well, you some don't think. You know, there. you say that. Yeah. At that point. Um, but I, I think it's unlikely that all those things happen. Um, and I and, and to be honest, I don't care how good Michael Kopchak becomes. He's he's not going to be better at any point in his career than Chris Sale is right now. He might be as good, but he's not going to be better. Right. And so. I look at this Red Sox team as you are in the window. You have all of your stars entering their prime. You have a five-year window right now. 
Chris Sale might be the thing that puts you like right at the front of the uh, of the line in that window, as opposed to you know somewhere towards the top, and you've got these guys that maybe if they come up in the third or fourth year of that window might be Chris Sale. No, now you've got Chris Sale. I I really think that the timing of this all is you know it it couldn't work out better. Um, for the Red Sox organization to be a little bit lacking in the farm system, you've got young talent. You don't really need depth in the farm system right now. Right um, now, you can you can build depth in the lower levels. Um, that once these guys are moving on, are then the next group of these guys. Uh, so, look, I think organizationally, if they if they don't do well rebuilding the farm system. Right, they don't have Theo, they don't have Ben, they don't have a lot of the scouts that they don't have the people that grew that farm system the first time around. Can Dabrowski and his staff do that while focusing at the major league level? That's going to be the big question for this organization in the in the ten year window, right? Um, but Dabrowski certainly has done the right things for this organization in the in the five year window. Um, in his tenure. Paul, any other? What, what are your other big takeaways? You know, coming into the season, like what? What? What's? What is? Are you? How did I? I had I had a good question phrased before about how I was going to approach these, this this uh, kind of our look forward, but I've forgotten it. Um, so I'll go with this. Are you? Oh, I remember. This is the first year, Paul, in a long time that I feel like um, there's. There's not a lot of connection between last year's team and this year's team. Even though it's a lot of the same players, this is this feels like a turn the page type of year. As opposed oh, I to think, I think that a lot has to do with David Ortiz no longer being absolutely the heart and soul of the team, you know, or the glue of that team. And well, and I think yeah. the 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 in the the addition of Chris Sale totally changes the dynamic of what's expected out of this team. If you didn't if you didn't have Chris Sale right now and you were relying on Porcello recreating what he did last year and building on that and David Price, I don't know I like look, he could easily call Crawford his career from here. But I just don't know. Um he could be you know, he, he could regain his stuff and, and be dominant. I, I don't know that either, but I'm more willing to um, let it all play out when I know I've got Chris Sale sitting above him in the rotation than if it was just those two, right? Right. Um. So I think, and the other thing I think you you talked about, you know, Ben Attendee is just so exciting as, as like he feels like we're about to watch something, you know, that's going to be in Boston for a long time. Yeah, I think. Uh... I mean, we kind of felt that way with Bogarts, right? Like, yep. you know, you got, and that's kind of been the nice cycle. I mean, you had Bogarts, you had Betts, you had Bradley come through, then you had Ben. We've we're in, we're getting an influx of all this young, controllable talent for for years to come, and Ben Attendee's like the next great thing, and it kind of seems like, you know, maybe it's Devers is the next one, um, but. We got that taste of him last year, that that little sampling. A guy who performed in the postseason, 
uh, did well. Yep. And you just kind of think like, oh, this guy's got – so, yeah, you, you kind of get the idea that – I don't want to say it's just Benintendi, but you, 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 this has got a young nucleus we, that's the best in the game. And we're going to be able to watch them for a long – for the next few years uh, before there's any type of contract issue. Yep. Uh, so it is an – I think it is an exciting time. So, we, yeah, and I guess maybe with what you're saying in regards to um, completely different, yeah, maybe this is when the younger guy become the face. Maybe, you know, Pedroia will always be Pedroia and all that stuff. But, you know, maybe it's in with the new and – I mean, this this feels to me like the year that Mookie does to this town what Isaiah Thomas is doing for the Celtics right now. Like, Mookie, last year, he performed it, right? I mean, like, he played at the level where he could have been the face of this team, but David Ortiz was... This year, uh, this town is going is, is gonna to go through Mookie fever. That's my prediction. And, you know, Ben Attendee is going to be huge, too. Uh, it doesn't hurt that he put, apparently put on like 35 pounds of muscle. <laughs> yeah, that's never a concern. Um, <laughs> but no, I think this. I really think that this is. Yeah, you're gonna see um, Mookie Betts start to take his his place um, alongside, yeah, Brady, Tom, well, and Isaiah. Right. Yeah. No, but like I, the, don't, the, I don't think Mookie's gonna cheat. I mean, I, I don't know, Paul. Hey, Maybe a little too much pine tar. Well, I'm just saying. Maybe a little, you know, like a little too much eye black. Hmm. You know, rubbing on the bat, rubbing on the ball. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so, but but I would say, like, I think this is the year he starts to put himself as a, as a, you know, as a, as a face of the franchise. Yeah, yeah, face of the franchise. One of the big four that you see on all of the. You know, like the the Mount Rushmore, the current Mount Rushmore type, you know, graphics. Got Brady, you got IT, you got Mookie, and then you've got some Bruin, Bergeron, the new coach. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But this this is the year that that's one of my predictions for this year is that I think the town fell in love with Mookie, but they didn't go there. There was no Mookie mania. If you will, I think this year it starts to run wild. Could very well. I because, mean, it ran look, wild. He was the most exciting guy for me last year. But would you yeah. you would say that that for fans, David Ortiz overshadowed anything anyone David else Ortiz did. David Ortiz would on always team, overshadow right? everything. Like he yeah, is, yeah. he's larger than life. Yeah, and he and we were very fortunate for the eleven years or twelve years that he was with the Red Sox. You know, to experience it. It would. Or, 13 years um, and it's coming to an end I mean it came to an end and that's the beauty of it, it like when Larry Bird left the Celtics it was ugh, for a long time I mean you know Reggie Lewis passing away didn't help that matter but uh, you know when Tom Brady leaves the Patriots in 10 it's, years it's going to be hard to imagine that they have someone to replace him uh, and not that any of these guys are replacing them, but right. the team is still – the next generation is there. Usually when you lose your heart and soul of a team, you lose the following years. Or Absolutely. I mean, look at, the Yan- look at the Yankees post-Jeter. Right. Fair – excellent point. I mean, I, I, it, it's – they 
it's not often that you have a star of Ortiz's, you know, magnitude also that goes out with anything left in the tank. So usually their production like and and the drag of their salary and declining production weighs on a team for a few years before he outs, right? So it even sets them out sets them up to be in an even worse position because they haven't been able to, you know, to to groom people because, you know, and 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 rework the team. Um Ortiz not doing that is, I think, hugely important to the ability to move on without him. Definitely. But, um, Paul, does John Farrell make it through this season? Nope. <laughs> Going right back on on that limb, huh? <laughs> uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I think again, I, it's something that I don't know if we did a. I think we did it as soon as. They said that he was coming back. I think we we did a podcast then, yes. but uh, I don't think he earned his um, his job to come back. I think he should have been replaced. Maybe there wasn't someone to replace him. Uh, you got Gary DeSarcino, uh as the bench coach, which was brought in. Certainly not a feral pick. Uh, this te- I won't say. Listen, this team could come out of the gates twenty one and three and never look back for the entire season. Uh, and he's, of course, going to keep his job in that situation. Uh, if this team is sitting at 11 and 14 after April or whatever the math works out to, if it's 10 and 13, I don't know how many games are in April, he will not be the manager of this team. Are you, so now are you rooting for a 10 and 13 April? I am. For the I good, am. for the greater good of the, of, of the Boston's championship potential <laughs> a slow start is necessary <laughs> yeah i mean just you know keep yes i no i'm not necessarily no, I know, for that I but know. but if it happens it's not the worst but if, if it's as long as it's not dragged out like last year there were many times where he could have lost his job and they just kind of always kept him around and we went to the postseason and and that's great uh, we got swept in the postseason, but we went, and they, and maybe that was the right move, not firing him, because yeah. uh, we did get to the postseason. Uh, but that leash, I think, is no longer there. And just everyone out there, keep in mind that one of the guys that was hitting for us in the postseason was, was Ben Attendee. He pinch hit for Ben Attendee. And the reason he gave for pinch hitting for Ben Attendee was because he wanted to keep Andrew Miller in the game. Just... <laughs> So gone. So Brilliance, Paul. Yeah, yeah. It's like you think I'm gonna go left, I'm going right. Yeah. Because you think me, <laughs> I was I was nervous they were gonna take the best reliever out <laughs> in all of baseball. I was nervous they were gonna take him out, so I just wanted to get the only guy on my team that was hitting out of the window. That's classic John Farrell logic right there. Um Last question for for this preseason spring training episode, Paul. Um, what are your expectations for Pablo Sandoval this year? Um, I think two sixty five, two seventy five, uh, twelve to fifteen home runs and seventy RBIs, and I think he's going to do it. Hey, so you you think he's going to hold the more important? You think he's going to hold down the starting third base job for a majority of the season? Like Absolutely. he's going to be a, a fixture. 
if you will, in the lineup. Last year, I said he would never play another game in a Red Sox uniform. <laughs> I remember that. Um, it's really, it's really why I say say what I just said is because there's no other option. If we're going to go into the season with Brock Holt and Josh Rutledge as our third baseman, I forgot about Josh uh, Rutledge. Good job on you, Paul. Yeah, we are uh, we are in a world of hurt um, at the third base. Uh, they they traded Travis Shaw, which I'm perfectly fine with. Um, they gave the job back to Sandoval, and, and John Farrell can say anything that he wants um, in regards to it's a competition or whatever. Um, this is Sandoval's job. He needs to take it, um, and he needs to produce at that level, and he's more than capable of producing at that level. Um, he's done it consistently, and he's just going to be disciplined, and he can't eat himself uh, out of the position. He's done a lot of work to get himself into a decent shape. So now go out there and prove it. Unless they're going to go out and get a th- another third baseman, uh, he's who we're. He's it. He's it. Well, and I'll tell you. It, look, I, I think the many Instagram workout videos <laughs> over the off season have been a impressive. I mean, look, he's at he is athletic. He has put himself in much better physical shape um, than he was last year. Um, that he. And I, I guess you know in the interview in spring training that he wouldn't. Um, I don't know. It didn't seem like it seemed like still classic avoidance language. Like it, he, I think he he made a big show of all the workout stuff, but then he didn't really want to, you know, own up to the fact that he. And I forget the language that he that he used, but he just. I, I wish he would just go out and say, you know, I screwed up. I make. You know, I'm making it better. I've committed to this. I put in the work, and now we're going to see that translate to the field. Yeah. But once again, and I don't know if it's a language issue or if it's just a confidence, a self-confidence, self-esteem issue. But he doesn't seem like. Listen, we weren't exactly nice to him. No. Well, that's <laughs> so, true. I guess my uh, my bigger question is mentally, Paul. Do you think that he's a player that can? I think if he comes out and this. produces, like I said, yeah, um, I think all that goes away. I think it's been proven time and time again. Like uh, we forgive and we forget. I'm trying to. I mean, well, like, you don't have to look past last year and Hanley. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. that that that's a, a perfect example. That's the other person I was thinking of. Hanley, like completely forgiven, came out, produced. Porcello stunk his yep. first year here. Came out. David Price, take notice. If you pitch well this year, you can tweet about Astro all you want. No one will give a shit. <laughs> um, when you look at the AL East, has anyone put themselves no, in the conversation I mean, with the, the Yankees? With the Red are a couple Sox of right years now? away. I mean, they're they're rebuilding. Uh, certainly, uh, Toronto didn't get any better. Uh, Baltimore is good managed team. They're going to find. Something, but uh, and then Tampa Bay is. Oof. Oof. This is the first year in a long time where where you look at you know, Cleveland got you know, got better, right? Yeah, and they're they're a scary team. Um, it's us in Cleveland, really. I mean, I don't know who else. Texas. I don't know. I mean, can Mike Trout finally put a team on his back and 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 
actually have that translate to a successful team? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, yeah, that's. It, I think this. This is a. Um, this Which is also a year put where, higher expectations on John Farrell and, yeah. and the Red Sox in general. I was just going to say, this is a year where expectations are high, and it'll be disappointing if they don't succeed. Last year, expectations didn't exist, and even once they once they played those expectations higher, we were okay with you know whatever result we got. Even if we were disappointed, at the end of the year, we looked back and we said, you know what, that was a pretty good season. This year, they go out in the first round of the playoffs— they win ninety games. They're not getting that. This was a pretty good season, right? right. No, uh, they, they're they're you know this is a th- this team better be a game or two away from the World Series at minimum. <laughs> so, um, all right, Paul. Well, look, we you know we cover spring training like no other. <laughs> we're, we we're, we watch actually. Did you know Nesson's broadcasting a lot more games this year than they ever have, Paul? Excellent. Yeah, so you could take a nap, <laughs> watch some spring training baseball, and um, no, obviously we'll we'll have a few shows leading up to the season, um, and then once the season hits in, in full swing, we'll be back at it. But uh, welcome to season two of Down by the River. Uh, thanks again for uh, coming to listen to us for another season, and we look forward to uh, talking about Sox baseball. Until next time.